0: Hello and welcome back to the Be Well Together podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Bowen, and I'm the Director of Employee Engagement Programs at Salesforce. In this weekly series, we bring in luminary speakers and well being experts to provide insights and tips related to all aspects of mental, physical, and social well being to help you thrive at work and at home. They say laughter is the best medicine, and we fully support that. On this episode, Join us as we learn about the enormous benefits humor has on our mental and physical well being and how it unlocks humanity in the moments when we need it most. Today, we've got not one, but two special guests. Jennifer Aker and Naomi Bagdanis are here to speak about the importance of laughter. Jennifer is a behavioral scientist and professor, and Naomi is an executive coach and media consultant. Together, these two amazing women have joined forces to co-author the book, Humor Seriously, why humor is a secret weapon in business and in life. Jody Coner, our Executive Vice President of Global Enablement at Salesforce, had the pleasure of sitting down with Jennifer and Naomi to speak about why shared laughter is one of the quickest paths to connection, how it impacts our brains and bodies, and why humor is vital for us to put out our best, most creative work. Learn all of that and more on today's conversation with Jennifer and Naomi. Hello, hello.
1: Welcome back to Be Well Together. What a great show we have for you today. I am so excited because we have two guests, not one, two guests who are here to bring so much needed laughter and joy into our lives. It is my great pleasure to introduce to you authors Jennifer Ocker and Naomi Bagdonas. Woo! The crowd goes
2: wild. All right. <laughs> wow, it's hard to hear over I all the can, can cheering.
3: There's fireworks oh outside, God. guys. Is that a coincidence?
1: I know. <laughs> I know. It's like, was that an earthquake? Or Were no?
2: there, there doves released outside of? <laughs> I, your think so. I think so. I think so. I
1: heard some chirping. If everyone else is not as excited about these two women as I am, it's because you don't know who they are, and I'm going to tell you who they are because you should know who they are. So, first of all. Jennifer. Jennifer is a behavioral scientist, and she is a general Atlantic professor at the Coulter Family Faculty Fellow. That's like a lot to say. Stanford (laughs) Graduate School of Business. Okay, so this means that she's amazing, is what that boils down to. And Naomi is an executive coach, a media consultant, a lecturer in management and Stanford Graduate Business School. Okay, so there's lots of brains here, but they're not actually even here only for their brains. They are the co-authors of an incredibly important book. And the book is called Humor. Seriously, why humor is the secret weapon in business and in life. And if you've learned anything about me over the last like year, it's that I just think humor is the key to so much joy and unlocking so many connections to one another. So, I am thrilled to welcome you both here today to talk to us about how humor and how levity can really help us just relieve the pressure and unlock humanity in these moments when we really just need it most. So, ladies, talk to us.
2: Can I say, Jody? Can you please join us on everything we do on this book tour? Yes, we. <laughs> so, you are our co-author. You're officially our co-author, and.
3: <laughs> Jody, could you rate that idea like on a oh. one to 10 scale? Oh, wow. Well, is yes, that a good idea? Or is yes. it like? Yes, I can. Hold on. I had to lose my
1: earphones. But since you asked, uh, this is how my team uh, <laughs> genuinely finds out about how I'm feeling about what they're pitching to me. I'm going to give you a 10 on that <laughs> idea, a 10 on me joining you.
2: <laughs> oh, thank you. Doves All right. flying. So with that fantastic idea and kickoff, uh, we want to start by asking a really simple question to everyone watching. And this is not rhetorical. We want you to actually answer it in your mind and even jot down the answer. And that question is, when was the last time you really laughed, like belly laughed with someone? And Jody, you don't count because you're probably like five minutes ago or, <laughs> you know, right. The but everyone else has to think about a time And as you do, I want to share a quick story about a time in my life when I would have been really, really bummed out about my own answer. And this story starts with an offhand comment from a client. This client, Bonnie, she said, I bet I know exactly what you do on Friday nights, Naomi. Which is objectively a pretty weird thing, right? To have a client (laughs) say to you, I was hired to provide professional services, but Bonnie and I had grown really close over the last couple of months and we'd spent hundreds of hours together. So I went along with her and I said, great, Bonnie, what do I do on Friday nights? To which she replied, I bet you stay at home alone, actually with your cat and you probably watch history channel documentaries and re-iron your blouses for the next week. She also told me that she had never seen me laugh at work. Did you fire her? Which is really (laughs) sad. Uh, She would have been the one firing me. I don't know. I might have been like. (laughs) This is actually, I think we can't do this. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was super sad. By the way, also when pressed, when I asked her about the cat thing, she guessed that my cat's name was Cat right? So this is a pretty sad thing. And not because this life is inherently bad, right? This life of Kat and the History Channel. It just wasn't my life. And so it was at this moment that I realized I had been leading a double life where by day I was consulting Fortune 100 companies. And by night I was performing improv comedy in LA. And I was keeping these worlds really, really carefully siloed because I figured, okay, neither one screams transferable skills to the other. Everyone's basically going to think that I'm wasting my time. And upon closer inspection, I started to realize that most of the rich things in my life, most of the things that were the most fulfilling were, even if they were really hard, by the way, had been lots of fun too. And generally the times when I felt most out of step with my own life, when I felt tense and brittle and even deeply unwell, were when I was having the least amount of fun. So personally, I set out to change that to see if I could have both of these things, be good at my job and also be joyful at work. And in that process, I came to believe that not only is it possible, but it's imperative. It's imperative to fueling creativity. It's imperative to strengthening relationships, fostering well-being, and ultimately being successful at work, which luckily is when I met Jennifer and we teamed up on this work together. And I realized that Jennifer had come to this work from a very different path than my own.
3: Yes, I was unanimously voted the least funny person in my family. And is this I... Is a big
1: family? Or it's was a big like- family,
3: Jody? There are three kids involved in this family. There is a dog, there is a foster dog, and there is a husband. So this is not a trivial, you know, thing <laughs> right. was, to learn there about. There was a
1: quorum. Call. It was a significant number of votes it was. that came in. They've
3: been
2: doing research, like surveys, <laughs> without me. Wait, was wait, my...
3: It was a unanimous vote <laughs> too.
2: My favorite part is how Jennifer was actively ranked lower than the dog.
3: I mean,
2: wow. Wow. I know.
3: So yeah, I mean, I had, I had been teaching in a second grade classroom. My daughter was second grade at the time. I, at the end of this like little 20 minute module that I was teaching, I asked all 30 students, like, you know, are you funny? Everyone said yes you know, and the data supports this too. There's this humor cliff. Everyone says they're funny and they smile and they laugh yesterday uh, when they're that young. And then I said, who's the funniest person in your family? And they all said their dad or their Mm. brother. And I was horrified and I went back and I, I, over dinner table, I said, can you believe that only dads are funny? And all of my kids like immediately looked down (laughs) and ate their vegetables quietly
1: (laughs) they even went to the vegetables
3: Uh uh-huh they went to the
1: vegetables before saying mom was funny
3: yeah they finally Mm. my daughter who was the bravest of the crew finally said yeah that's the same here too you're the least funny and yes apparently I angrily said what (laughs) but anyway that's kind of where I started one of the stories into my journey of humor Amazing. So I think well, that
1: first of or... all, I'm thrilled you guys found each other. I think that's great. There's like a built in therapy group. And so then <laughs> what? So what do you decide to do with your unfulfilled paths of humor?
3: Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, um, you know, we started teaching together because Naomi had guest lectured in my class, The Power of Story. And it was all about, you know, how story and data come together. Actually, we were teaching a lot of Salesforce kind of content as well. And she made the students laugh for. I kid you not, an hour and a half talking about eigenvalue analysis and neurochemistry and how story and data come together. And at the end of the class, you know, eight weeks later, I asked people, you know, what did you remember the most and what was most impactful? Hands down, Naomi was the most impactful. So it started me also on this journey of A, if you communicate things with humor, Can you actually get people to learn better? Do they remember better? Are they able to be more sort of, um, you know, to what degree does humor and intelligence start to correlate? All of these fascinating questions kind of came to me. And that is where Naomi and I started teaching classes together. One, humor, serious business. And two, a new type of leader anchored on purpose fueled by humor. So that was kind of our story. But what's really fascinating is that right now, amidst this global pandemic and uh, social, political turmoil, the recent attempted coup in the U.S. Capitol, and for me personally, living with these five people and a dog and a foster dog who all don't think I'm funny, while having Zoom calls at the same time, I don't even know what these dogs like talk about behind the back. It's underscoring exactly how important it is to find levity in these moments, um, which is what led us on our research journey along with our teaching journey.
2: Yeah, so as the title of our book is Humor Seriously, and that's our mission with our students, is to convince them that it's time to take humor seriously, and that is our mission hopefully with you today as well. So um, what we're going to do is condense our last six years of research into about 15 minutes right here, and so we're going to talk just really fast. All right, so our <laughs> roadmap, a couple of things that we wanted to share with you. Number one, the science. So we're going to talk about how humor impacts our brains and our behavior. Second, the humor cliff, this horrifying research that shows that we have all stopped laughing. Third, the behaviors. So how do we navigate our lives in a different way? How do we start making these small behavior shifts? And we'll even share a few secrets from comedians along the way. And then lastly, we might talk about death, which seems depressing, but it's actually going to feel uplifting. Just go with it. You'll understand when we get there. Okay, so why don't we dive into the science Jennifer mentioned that we teach this course at Stanford, and part of what we teach is about humor's power to foster resilience and well-being. So we want to share in one of our favorite studies, this group of subjects participated in a multi-week humor skills program. So each week they learned something really simple, like looking for opportunities to laugh, or my personal favorite, developing a healthier and heartier belly laugh which by the way, sounds super creepy and like a class for (laughs) supervillains. Exactly. So literally, this seems really frivolous, right? But what the researchers found was that individuals in this humor skills group versus the control group reported fewer instances of depression, significantly lower stress, a higher proportion of positive to negative feelings, and even increased perceptions of control in their lives. So this had a monumental impact on people's well-being. And what we know is that humor's impact to our well-being extends far beyond just our internal state, because shared laughter impacts our sense of community and our sense of connection. In essence, it accelerates a feeling of closeness with those around us. One study revealed that strangers who laugh together before a conversation end up connecting in ways that feel 30% more intimate and authentic. So essentially, humor, laughing together, quickens a path to friendship and to vulnerability. In another study, which is particularly relevant if you have a special person in your life, uh, couples were asked to reminisce about moments when they laughed together versus moments that were simply happy. And those couples who are in the laughter condition later reported being 23% more satisfied in their relationships, which is quite remarkable because they were just telling stories. What's
3: incredible about this is that what's happening is it's all physiological. Basically what happens when we laugh with someone, whether it be, you know, in a person or through a screen or, you know, with ratings or, you know, supervillain glasses, our (laughs) brain releases a cocktail of these healthy hormones that suppress cortisol and they increase dopamine and Mm -hmm. oxytocin. So in other words, when we're laughing together, basically we're drugging our colleagues and ourselves but very helpful, you know, and
2: healthy drugs. Totally. And the great thing is this is a cocktail you can drink before noon.
3: It is. Yes. And it's also a free cocktail that you can drink before noon. <laughs> and the other thing is when you drink this free cocktail before noon, frequently you live longer. So one of our favorite studies shows that when people are asked, do you have a sense of humor? It's not, are you funny? It's do you have a sense of humor? And this was a study that was conducted in Norway where, you know, the sense of humor isn't normally like overly like developed. And I'm Norwegian. I can say that mm-hmm. when people say yes to that, um, researchers tracked how long they lived. The, uh, the people that said yes versus no to that question, do I have a sense of humor live eight years longer and mm-hmm. are 30% more resistant to severe disease.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so in other words, laughter might very well be the best medicine after, mm-hmm. you know, Actual medicine, so it goes. Actual medicine, then laughter, <laughs> then gummy vitamins.
2: <laughs> yeah, and now, by the way, after this, gummy vitamins are just flying off the shelves.
1: Just and yes, um, I have vitamins. totally started switching over to gummy vitamins. By the way, like why not?
3: They're like, I, I literally, I literally, <laughs> this is horrifying. And a, but it's an important side note. I like will just like take a like a fistful. You know, you're have to, you're supposed to have two or four. <laughs> oh, I just no. take a fistful. Yeah. So it's actual medicine, laughter, gummy vitamins. So you don't even have to buy this book. Just stock up on those gummy vitamins and you should be good.
1: It's totally cracking me up because my gummy vitamins are my fiber. And I'm not really sure what would happen (laughs) if I took a whole handful, but I see where you're going in theory.
2: (laughs) Okay. I think we have it. I think we should start selling a package deal. That is this book, gummy vitamins and fiber supplements, or we can sell the joint ones. And I think this is going to it's this a whole is- new
1: package plan.
2: Co-branded. I, give- I love it. I give it another 10. Okay, great. All right. So clearly humor is a powerful tool. Hopefully we all believe that now. And the problem is, as Jennifer mentioned, we have stopped laughing. So we adults in general, not Jody, but everyone else has fallen off a humor cliff. So this is actually a study run by Gallup of over 1.4 million people in 166 countries. And all of these people were asked a really simple question. Did you smile or laugh yesterday? And for those who are 14, 16, 18, 20, the answer is pretty consistently yes. Then around age 23, the answer becomes no. And we don't start laughing again until age 70. So we see this huge drop off. We don't start going up again until 70. By the way, put another way, the average four-year-old laughs 300 times a day. It takes the average 40-year-old two and a half months to laugh that many times.
1: Oh, that is so
2: sad. No wonder people are having midlife crises.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And why everyone should be making signs like your signs, where you have your kids make signs that you hold up during meetings. I do. Because as it turns out, kids know the secret. So this is not good. Yes. Look at Lucky that. Lucky number seven. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to come back to that question we asked at the beginning. So everyone think back to that moment that you thought of before, the last time that you really laughed, that you belly laughed. I want you to ask yourself, was it at work or was it at home? Now, obviously, many of us are working remotely. So was it with colleagues during something professional or was it with your friends, family, and at home? Jody, what was yours? Was yours work? Mine was with family. Mine was definitely with family. Yes. So more than 90% of people surveyed will think of a moment at home. A very small percentage think of, of a moment where they had humor at work. And we also see this, that people not only have stopped laughing generally in their lives, but especially Monday through Friday. So we know that humor is incredibly powerful for our well-being and for a wealth of other things in our lives. So how do we start climbing back up the humor cliff? So we're
3: going to take you on a very quick journey that we take our students on. And remember, this class gets the same credit at Stanford Business School as financial accounting. Which is objectively funny.
2: Uh, so on day one, <laughs> that's do- our best joke. Really, is just the reality that our <laughs> class gets the same amount of credit as financial accounting. You
1: choose whichever one you want.
2: That's yeah. right. Either or, same
3: same credit. Which um, one do you think you'll like more?
1: Hmm.
3: Yeah, and then we shock them because on day one we give them an audit. Yes, a, a that's humor true. Audit. <laughs> Which is the most fun audit you'll ever experience, and so they're still happy they picked our class. And so the task is really simple. All they do is they just track down how many times they laughed each day over the course of a week, or how many times they made someone else laugh, actually both. And the reflections of the first week are um, pretty much all of the time devastating. There was one student who said, it was Tuesday. I did not laugh once at all who knew a class on humor could be so depressing?
2: And so- um, Who knew a class th- on humor could be so depressing? Day yeah. one. <laughs> so yeah, we got to bring them down on day let's one. Let's make sure
1: we get that in the Amazon
3: reviews. That sounds great. <laughs> depressing. <laughs> <laughs> it was shockingly depressing at the start. But at the end of the week, and also at the end of the book, our students and readers- report laughing a lot more. And it's not just that they got funnier. They actually saw a chance for humor. They they saw uh, uh, moments for humor or joint humor or invitations for laughter together that they wouldn't have otherwise actually seen. And so this is called the priming effect. And the priming effect actually shows that our brains are wired to find out what we are set out to look for. So I did not say that well, but let me try to get our brains are wired to find what we set out to look for. So if we're looking for these small observations of truth or potential humor, we will actually notice more of it in our lives. It's very meta. <laughs> then on day two, the students dive into their unique Because they they think, you know, you're either funny or you're not funny, which is not at all true, right? It's that you have these different humor styles, like a stand-up or a sniper or a magnet or a sweetheart. But once, until they know their own authentic humor style and, you know, their kids or their parents or their team members or their colleagues, it's hard to start feeling natural about sort of trying it. So you can go to humorseriously.com to take a quiz and have data tell you your style, and the thing that's really interesting is that it's not about just being aware of your own style um, that allows you to authentically play with it, but it helps you mitigate risks. You know, people are often concerned, if I use humor, is that going to offend? Well, once you understand your humor style um, and you understand the humor styles around you, you can naturally and more strategically use humor.
2: Right. All right, so that brings us to day three of our journey with our students and now our journey with you. So on day three, we start to teach our students techniques from comedy. So we unlock some of these secrets that we've learned from comedians over the years. So we're gonna share a couple, three tips with you today that you can start using right away. The first is the callback. This is where you just listen for moments of laughter and then you later make a reference to that earlier moment. So for example, I might say, please read our book. We promise that it's less depressing than our class, at least on Tuesdays, right? Depressing on Tuesdays, or in this conversation, I could just pull out a jar of gummy vitamins and just start downing them as we're going, right? So any reference to something earlier that had, that was a moment of, of laughter, by the way, you guys already did this when you were talking about gummy vitamins and you brought that back and started laughing about it. All right. So this is the easiest way to get a laugh and it creates a feeling of connection, right? We all now have an inside joke that we can refer to later. So callbacks. Second is the rule of three. So in the rule of three, if you think of something even mildly amusing, you just construct it in a sentence where you create a simple list where the last item is a bit unexpected. So you wanna create misdirection, make people think that you're heading in one direction and then reveal the thing that was a little lighthearted. So for example, you might say, I miss so many things about office life. I miss going for spontaneous coffee chats. I miss getting supportive eye contact from colleagues. I miss wearing pants, right? A, B, apple. And the third technique is try exaggerating your humor even further. So that third thing that you found funny, try exaggerating it. So I'll use a different example. You could say, maybe you notice that every day you go for a walk you know, in the afternoon just to kind of break up the day. And you think that's a little bit funny. So you might exaggerate that and say something like, the most thrilling part of my day by far is when I get dressed to the nines, I leave my house and I circle the block just to feel something, right? All right, so you're (laughs) exaggerating that last bit. In our book, we share dozens of tips like this and examples from comedians. And the important thing is that humor is a lot easier and more accessible than we we might think. And if we learn a couple of these tips, uh, it can feel more natural and of course, funnier. And then the last day
3: of class is the most profound. You know, first of all, the students really feel this shift in them and that they start navigating their lives in a fundamentally different way on the precipice of a smile. And this becomes a habit, you know, basically expecting to be delighted rather than disappointed, but in a smart way. That sounds kind of touchy-feely, but it's not. It's actually that they're getting more observant but they see that instead of being disappointed at a certain moment, they're actually delighted or see it as a moment for levity. And this has been really important for us because it has actually huge implications about how we live our lives and also how we die. So my mother is a volunteer for hospice. And so I grew up hearing these stories of what people wish for in their last days of life. And because um, we're a call- fun family, this is what we talk about at the dinner table. You know, Jody, it just comes from good dinner table conversation to good dinner conversation.
1: I'm, I'm, I just can't wait to get my invite. It sounds <laughs> <Really> wonderful.
3: Just- <laughs> also, um, I don't cook, so we call round table pizza cooking. So, Jody, <laughs> we can't wait to have you. <laughs> Perfect. It will be great food, too. And there's these really, these five things <laughs> that people, my mom would share that people would say. They they boldness, authenticity, presence, joy, and love. Um, And what's so fascinating is that humor really mitigates each of these regrets. You know, people say, I wish I was more bold, that I took more risks, that I traveled more, um, changed things up more. Humor allows you to navigate through negative emotions and diffuse tension so you can take these bigger, bolder risks. Um, Authenticity, people say, I wish I was had more courage to live a life that was more authentic to myself, not what others expected. And what we find is when people understand like what makes them laugh in their own authentic style, and then they, they look for moments of authenticity and laughter that, that joy has this incredible effect that allows them to feel like they can live and lead in more authentic ways and presence. I wish I had the, you know, I'd savored more of these small little moments, those you know, really good looking wigs, you know, that I just wanted to bust that out to see Jody. We can keep up with you.
1: Unbelievable.
3: I am loving this. This is a sparkly Mickey Mouse hat. Yes, it Um, is. And so I just hope we're all savoring it right now. (laughs) I'm savoring it. And so what we find is that when, okay, I'll keep it on. I'm sure the two of you would like me to keep it on. (laughs) But these small moments of like presence where you're looking and observing and listening hard to others, in fact, allow you to live a life that's more present and joy. I wish I laughed more. I didn't take myself so seriously. You know, people are expressing this um, in the most serious and meaningful point of their life and love which is, I wish I had the chance to say I love you one more time. And um, Michael Lewis, who writes the afterword of our book, he he says, um, when you have humor in your life, love is not far behind. Mm. So um, we're really excited to share this work with you. We're so grateful for your riffiness, your humor, what has to be a brilliant set of family members who also foster humor and uh, we want to turn it over to Jody to open up questions. Oh my God! First of
1: all, I'm writing that down. When you have humor in your life, love is not far behind. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's amazing. That is amazing. So, uh, I feel like I, I'm. I'm not going to lie. We're going to have a little moment here, but I feel like you're my long lost sisters. So I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like I am. I am. I am drinking in everything you're saying, and so because I know I am so enthusiastic about this and I am like totally fangirling, I wanna think about the people who don't really identify here, okay? So people, like, I, I love what you were saying about, wake look, if you teach your brain to think that there's opportunities for humor, you'll start to see those opportunities for humor. But what do you say to people who like don't, this is not their default setting, and they're, they're really nervous about finding that voice because, you know, you don't have to dig too deep into any, you know, up comedian's journey to hear like, my God, when you crack the joke and no one laughs, it's like, oh. mm-hmm. right. So, so there's a, there's a really a giant leap of faith, I feel like with humor and, and showing that courage that someone's going to receive it, you know, yeah. maybe not, maybe they won't, all, maybe you won't bring the house down. But someone's going to grab that. And that's an opportunity for connection. So what do you say to people to try to find their voice and find that courage and to be bold?
2: Yeah. Remember that laughter is a fundamental melody of human conversation. This is such a core part of what makes us human is our ability to connect and laugh together. And so in this moment, especially more than ever, people are, they are, um, thirsting for more humor and levity in our lives to help us get through these hard times. So first is just to know um, oftentimes when someone makes a bid, uh, John Gottman's work uh, talks about these emotional bids that we make to people, these small invitations to have levity. More often than not, that bid will be returned. The second thing I'd say is people get caught up on this idea of trying to be funny. And that can feel really intimidating. Like you said, it it feels like it can invite a lot of judgment. And really, this is not about being funny. This is about being, first, more generous with our laughter. So just looking for moments. Jennifer talked about earlier navigating our lives on the precipice of a smile, right? What does that look like to just look for reasons to be delighted rather than disappointed? And that makes a big shift. And then the third thing is research suggests that failing, the risk of failing is not as great as we think. And so what we know is people often think that if I If I put some humor out into the world and I don't get a laugh, that's failure. What we know from the research is if you try to be funny in a professional environment and that humor fails, as long as it's not seen as wildly inappropriate, it actually still increases others' perceptions of your confidence and competence and your status remains steady. By the way, if you use humor and it succeeds, then people enjoy a thirty-seven percent increase in uh, per, in perceptions of status from other people. Um, but the important thing here is the risks and the downsides. As long as we're staying in a, as long as we're staying appropriate, are really not as great as people think.
1: Amazing. And and do you find that in your research and in your experience that, that people have a fine line, like walking that inappropriate line? Right. Like I, people don't really worry as much about being inappropriate when they think of those belly laughs at home. But when they think about it in the office and the random sensitivities, not random, I should say, but like the, the expanse of sensitivities that different people can have. Yeah. You know, what is your guidance on? Is it just kind of a go for it or just trust your gut or like how do you navigate that? I think I've got something. I think that could be an opening.
2: It's such a good question. So um, what we find is there are actually some really consistent ways that people cross a line with humor. And so we have a whole chapter in our book, actually, that's, um, that's about how do you avoid humor fails? And then what do you do if your humor does fail? So mm-hmm. I'll tell you a few of them right now. And once people understand these, then it gets a lot easier to judge what's going to work versus what's going to not work. So um, So one of them is never punch down. So this is the idea that you never want to make the target of your joke someone um, of lower status mm-hmm. unless you are really confident in your relationship with that person. You know them very well and you know that their style matches your own style. So um, so and comedians talk about this all the time, never punch down, right? So that's, um, so that's one joke or that's one technique. You could imagine um, the CEO making fun of a junior analyst, right, and that you can feel viscerally how that doesn't feel good. Um, another tip is, minding your medium. So we often think that uh, we often write in a same in the same way that we would tell jokes speaking out loud. We know that sarcasm is the most uh, likely form of humor to be inter- uh, misinterpreted over email. So especially if you tend towards sarcasm, just know that that tends to be misinterpreted more often than other forms in an email. So go for levity rather than sort of your perfect, you know, great quips. Um, and then the third thing is and this seems so obvious, but this is where people get in trouble: is just uh, the power of cont- the importance of context switching. Right? What uh, what works around the dinner table isn't going to work around the board table, and we in- we innately know this. But sometimes when we think of a joke that we're like, "Oh, that's a great joke," we get so excited to put it out into the world that we don't listen to that little like nagging thing in the back of our head that says, "Hold on a second, maybe I shouldn't say this." Mm-hmm. And and there are many more um, tips that we give
1: in this amazing book that we all need to go out and get. Okay. I'm going to ask you one more question because I just think it's fascinating. I want to make sure I got it right. So I can go and get like my humor profile at humorseriously.com. And I'm going to learn like where my humor strengths are. And then there's going to be all sorts of cascading information that I can get in your book about how to kind of release her or how does this work?
2: That's exactly right. And Jennifer, do you want to take this? Sure, I can do. Um, we we have some basic, you
3: know, little surprises for you, and then um, Naomi has a special surprise uh, just for you and our listeners. So, um, for our, yes, just come to humorseriously.com dot com in order to take the quiz, or to um, we have a three week boot camp, which you know just gives you like little snippets in the morning via text, you know, just like little tips and tricks So basically kind of coaches you. And so we'll create a little special coupon for, for you and Salesforce for that. So do that and please do buy the book. It would mean so much to us. And that leads us, us to the drum roll, Naomi.
2: Oh, yes. Well, one, one thing, okay, before the drum roll, one thing I wanted to mention is, Jody. you bring up a good point of, you can find out your style and then learn techniques. I think what's really powerful too is reading stories of people who have really done this in very different styles. So you have you know Secretary of State Madeleine Albright negotiating with her counterpart in the Russian government and her style, which is very different than Stephen Curry in, at the front of the room, in front of all of his brand partners and how he used humor, which is very different than Ed Catmull who led Pixar for many years. And so part of this too is. I cannot wait to read this book. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Great. Um, so part of it is understanding your style and then also seeing how it comes to life for other people who are of the similar style. All right. And then the last thing that we wanted to do is, uh, so Jennifer and I, we really believe in the power of this work, obviously for, um, for Salesforce and for all of the other, um, organizations we work with. And we also believe in the power of this work, um, for those who may not otherwise go out and buy the book. And so, um, we are so grateful to be partnering with Salesforce to also donate, um, A thousand dollars of copies of our book to nonprofits that you all partner with. Um, Amazing. Yeah. That is
1: awesome. Well done. Well done. We love people who are into finding joy and giving back and lifting everyone up. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that very generous offer. Thank you very much. Of course.
3: Thank you, Jody. It has been a delight. And I'm just going to, like, you know, say that we're going to bring props everywhere we go inspired by I you. I mean,
1: I've been doing a lot of be well togethers at no point in time. Did anyone in this community realize that I had the amount of props, like <laughs> all within an arm's reach on this show. <laughs> so I have like put myself out there as well with you ladies. It's incredible. Um Everyone really make sure you go out and you get this book. I, it's what an opportunity for all of us. We've talked so much over the course of the last year about how to find joy how to find levity? How to make sure we're taking care of ourselves? And a book called "Humor Seriously: <laughs> Why Humor Is a Secret Weapon in Business and in Life." I think is probably just what the doctor has ordered for
3: all of us. So also gummy vitamins,
1: also and, gummy gum- vitamins. <laughs> and gummy vitamins. <laughs> all right. So with that, I'm going to bid you adieu. Thank you so much for joining us today. To all of our viewers, I hope you've loved this every minute as as much as I have. And I am wishing you to be happy, to be healthy and to just be well. And we'll see you back here next time. Bye-bye.
0: And that's a wrap on our inaugural season of the Be Well Together podcast. If you enjoyed the series and our today's episode, be sure to leave a rating and review. And we encourage you to share it with friends, family, and anyone you think could use a boost of inspiration. We've loved bringing you this relevant, informative, and fun content. But wait, there's more visit salesforce.com slash plus or click the link in our show notes for videos with guests such as ariana huffington jay shetty jane goodall and others additionally check out the free enhance employee Wellbeing trail on trailhead.com for even more well-being tips and resources to help you prioritize your well-being and thrive at work and at home until next time be happy be healthy and be well